This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm oddly shirtless as I'm recording this. I don't know why I'm so hot, and then I just decided to leave it off. Not like you really need to know that. You know, it'd make you feel a little a little bit closer to me, whether or not you wanted to be that. The guest today is Mr. Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids, New Amsterdam's, his own solo stuff, and just a very all-around good dude. And more on him in a minute. Let's just cut right to the chase. Propertyofzack.com. Great music site. Visit it. Done. Boom. Let's talk about reviewing the show. Go to the iTunes store, type in some sentences, drop some stars. It makes the show look cooler. For those of you that have been following the show for a long time, you've noticed that there's been some ads recently. That is because you contribute to the show by doing that. Let me put it this way. Some big changes are happening as of episode 100. There's just great stuff that's coming in the future. So if you do that, I really, really do appreciate that. Let's talk about emailing the show. 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Give me some feedback. Tell me what shows are awesome. Tell me what shows have sucked. What do you want that I need to do? I want to provide you with something awesome. It was really interesting. I had a person email me from the Jordan from Newfound Glory podcast. They had never listened to another episode. They just popped in, popped out. Totally fine. I get it. But she was like, hey, don't talk about yourself so much, which, you know, I have honestly gotten that criticism in the past. And it's something that's interesting because I really try to pay attention to that. So I'm not like, hey, here's me. Like, pay attention to me, even though there obviously is a bit of that within my conversations, but there are times where it's like I feel like I need to share some of myself with the person that I'm speaking to because they are either, I can either tell they're feeling vulnerable or there's something that needs to have, it's a transactional relationship. I can't just like let something sit there. I want to try to relate or, you know, pull something from my past experience. So if any of you, if that does kick around in your head, that, that's why I do it. That's why I feel like I'm, I need to put something like that out there about myself and usually it's in relation to the fact that I've played in bands before like I'm sorry that's just where a lot of my experience comes from I'm not trying to hype anything up and like oh check this thing out that I did in the past that doesn't matter to me that's just where a lot of my experience is coming from so anyways that's the sort of dialogue I have with people who email the show so do that okay Matt Pryor First of all, I'm going to apologize for the audio in this one. This was recorded at a very, very noisy show, and the music isn't really infiltrating our conversation. It's everybody around it. I mean, basically, it was in the corner of this outdoor smoking patio. There just really wasn't a place to record. I wanted to get a conversation between him and I down on tape, face-to-face, and so this is what you have. So if you're bummed on the audio quality, I apologize. Do not let this reflect on our awesome editor, Tom Richfield. It is all on me and the circumstance given. And, and then you'll hear at one point, Anthony from Bayside just kind of hangs out with us for a moment. And uh, so, yeah, this it's definitely not the sort of uh, the comfortable environment I'm used to recording in. I just wanted to put that caveat there. 
So you're not you're not going to hear the most pristine audio quality. You're going to hear background noise. And on top of that, this show that I interviewed him at was a sideshow of this thing called NAM, music nerds in the sense of like music equipment nerds. And I'm sorry if you are a music equipment nerd, that's fine. I'm in hell when I'm in Guitar Center. It's the worst place ever. And this conference and convention takes place in Anaheim, which is very close to where I live. And this show, like 90% of the people that were there had been to that event. They were still wearing their goddamn badges from that convention. Yeah, if you hear bits of conversation from people who are, what are you doing at a show like Matt Pryor's? They're not actually at that show. They're at some other random show that was right next door to it. Anyways, a lot of, lot of backstory. But Matt is a great dude. Obviously, if you've heard of the Get Up Kids, you are very familiar with his work, and anybody that has paid attention to independent music is aware of that. He also does an amazing podcast that's also part of our network that we've put together. I will eventually be appearing on his podcast soon. So, you know, we're, we're throwing the love back and forth. But I've always wanted to talk to Matt even before he launched his own podcast. So here's what transpired. And I'll talk to you after. I went on a limb for you. Capsized when I turned 22. Did it burn us bad for you? It's a perfect description, though. My dad's a bitch, huh? Okay, well, yeah. I, I guess I am. Um, I usually start these things off with just my own, my own okay. introduction point to you, your musical, your musicalness, as it were. Okay, my musicality. Yes, your musicality. So I, you got. I, I really wish because I did some heavy internet research this morning in regards to trying to find this compilation that you guys were on. Uh, which one? It, well, because it was a newfound interest in Massachusetts. That was a song that was on there. Uh, it, it was, was a, a drive-through records comp. No, it was. It, it was. Or was it the best comp in the world? It wasn't the Fadeaway Records one. Okay, that's it was, the best comp in the right. world. Right. Honestly, I I personally Didn't believe... Sound Mass was on uh, uh, Drive Through Records comp at one point that they never gave us a copy of. Okay, was it... I mean, there was a lot of... I mean, there was bands that were not on Drive Through as well on that, right? I mean, we weren't We weren't on Drive Through. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, then that could have been it. But basically, it was like, that song was on there. But, I mean, you guys were like, you know, you... We had... We had put out an EP on Doghouse. Right, right, right. And that was one of the songs on the EP. Right, right, right. And then we were... How did that work? We hadn't signed to Doghouse yet, and Drive Through was interested in us. Right. And we ended up going to Doghouse and giving Drive Through that one song. That one song. Yeah, I just remember because that song in particular... Well, that... You guys stuck out like a sore thumb on that. As far did as we? like... I mean, in my... I don't know. I've never heard right. it. <laughs> in my opinion. Hey, Richard and Stephanie, send me a copy of the comp. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to complete my collection. I just remember listening to that song, and that, that this was at the time when I was like kind of starting to transition into the fact that I could listen to bands beyond Snapcase, Earth okay. Crisis, and Strife. That was my, I cut my teeth on that, and I was like, okay, I can listen to things outside of that world. And I, basically, it's like I credit you guys, Sensefield, and Texas is the reason for ushering me out of that and being able to listen to more. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which was good. Um, it, it, yeah, and, but I just remember, and I think that was at the time too, where a lot of people. There's a lot of comps that just came out that you know it, oh, it was it, a comptastic world back totally. then. Totally, yeah. And like now, it's just like I mean, the idea of a comp is like people. You say comp, and people don't necessarily know what you're talking about. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of which is ironic since we we live in a more abbreviated world totally. now. Right. And so now it's like you think a they comp, can't, right? It's a, it's a compilation of different bands. <laughs> compilation. Right. Oh, it's a compilation. Right. Like, do I need to spell yeah. this all out? Right. Wait, do you have the straight-edge swatch? Oh, do I ever? Dude, that's worth some real money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not messing around. You could get 
go to Europe and you, I can, could, yeah. you could make some euros oh, yeah, yeah. off of that. This is, uh, yeah, I got this one for like $100 from a friend that wasn't wow. straight edge anymore. But uh, yeah, you can go three, three fifty on that. Probably we started what, 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 out here in 97. Right. I, I, well, not, I'm fairly certain. I know that basically once you guys started to come through, I mean, you played Coos Cafe in uh, Santa Ana. Many times. And it, it was, those were some of the, like still to this day, some of the funnest shows as far as like just the atmosphere. and like. Cause I it, agree. I agree. There was a lot of people there but it wasn't it would be like 400 people right it was like the living room of a house totally and then they would let four pe- 400 people in yeah, yeah maybe 25 30 of them could fit in front of totally. the band and then everybody else was out in the yard of course watching through the window yeah, yeah or yeah. not even watching because it gets fogged up yeah right? well or just it was an event you know <laughs> it, it was like was. a social event I re- yeah I remember seeing Wesley Willis there too and I think oh, I God. <laughs> It was terrifying, but I remember they. I think that was the most people they let in there, and I think they said they sold probably around like I, I think it was just over four hundred fifty tickets. We and I'm like, That's we were true. proud of ourselves. We 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 beat the promise ring by one ticket. <laughs> You're like, fuck you guys, yeah. we win. <laughs> we always had this sort of like, like unspoken silly rivalry with of them. Of course, you know, just like right. There's like, yeah, we're one ticket over you. Yeah, yeah. we 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 draw more out there. Yeah. What, what, what are you but gonna say? One person. But I, yeah, it was just it's it, it's definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure obviously you look back fondly at, at those those shows. But it's just like to me, it struck me as like those are the type of shows that you guys were playing where it was like, I mean, it was you were reaching to people outside of the community as it were as well, but not to the point of where it obviously you know once you guys started playing House of Blues and stuff like that, where it was like people who you know obviously just you know got into hit up kids after something right home about or something huh. like that. I think it's interesting when people talk about this because uh, where, where we came from in Kansas City, there was no community. There's no scene. Yeah, yeah. There's no community. There's you guys no, had to create it, right? Right. We didn't have to create it. We left. Right. Right. Like That's we, true. we we went to where there were people who were interested in what we were doing, and we would go. I mean, closest one's Chicago. Right. You know, Minneapolis, and then going. But you know, the scene was really big in the Northeast. Right. And in Southern California. And sure. So it's like those are the places that we would just go. And my now wife, then girlfriend, lived. In Boston, right. So I attribute much of our touring success to me just wanting to go see go my girlfriend. Boston. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yo, we got to get out there. <laughs> write songs about Boston. <laughs> sure, of course, Matt's yeah. Pike, right? right. Always guaranteed to endear yourself to a city or a state if you write a song about it. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's true. I never really thought about it from that perspective. But like, you will always have to play it. Every well, time of you're course. There. Yeah, yeah, you have no choice. Yes, <laughs> it's in the contract. Right, right. Yeah, once we've done this. Yeah. Um, so Let's you just get this out of the way. Right. Let, here's Mass Pike. Just yeah. First and foremost, you, you strike me as an exclusive Midwestern dude. Where um, were you born? From Kansas City. Okay. Born and yeah. raised in Kansas City. I live in Lawrence, Kansas now. Right. Which is uh, where the University of... It's a little blue dot. KU? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's a little blue dot in the big red state. Totally. And... Yeah. Uh, well, that's what, I mean, because, well, the bottleneck that was there for a while, right? It still is there. How do you right. know that? Did you? Yeah, I too. I mean, I you played there? Yeah, I played, let's see, the bottleneck, and then, wasn't there, is there the Granada Theater? Yep, that's yeah. down the street from my house. Okay, yeah, played there as well. I just, I mean, it was, the first time that I played there, it was definitely one of those things where I was just like, oh, this is weird, why is this here? Like, but uh, you're like, oh, college town. Like, I mean, yeah, just yeah, as far yeah, as yeah. like, oh, there's stuff. I found in, like, <laughs> I lived in Kansas City. Um, you know, all of my life, and then we started touring. Right. I lived in Boston for a little bit, and I've been to every major city in the U.S. and right. most of them in Europe. And I think when we started having kids, my wife and I started having kids. It was kind of like, I like this. This town is just big enough that it's not boring. Totally, but it's small enough that the schools are really good. Right. 
we can leave our door unlocked if we want yeah. to. It's we're manageable. Not, we don't. We don't do right. that. Right. No. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> but if you were, right. Right. Hypothetically yeah. speaking, we leave it unlocked when our pit bulls at home. <laughs> right. 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 Which is true. <laughs> right. Um, but I just I like it there, and I like. Oh God, I was having such a nightmare today when we were driving down from LA. Oh, it's a and nightmare. And we're in the traffic, yeah. and I'm just like, why? Why do you sensible humans live like this? Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you're, well, I mean, you live your life around the traffic schedule, yeah. as opposed to, like, oh, like, I want to go here this we time. we were okay, we were leaving Hollywood at 2. Yeah, oh, no. That's when it starts. 2? Two? Two, yeah, 2 to 5. Jesus Christ. It's bad. Leave at 1, you're just like, oh, this is great, this is fine. Is it bad going from here further south to San Diego? Uh, I can't remember. From here to San Diego, it's not that bad. Like, you're... Okay. you're the traffic-wise, I know it's traffic not that wise. far. Yeah, yeah, it's not that far. But, yeah, no, traffic-wise, it's not bad at all. I haven't done a West Coast van tour in a while. Right. Because I think the last time I was out here... Was, no, that's not true. We did the Where's the Band tour in a van. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was... Yeah. Yeah. But I was in a really bad headspace then, so... Yeah, you didn't see... A whole lot that was with uh, Evan and Dustin, and, right? Dustin played the California shows, and right. then uh, Crick Conley and... From Saves Today and uh, Anthony, Anthony from right, Bayside, right. who's here somewhere. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, he's right there. Hey, Ranieri. You want to get in on this interview? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, me. Uh, you talking about me? Hey, man. Hey, I'm Ray. Anthony. Are you going to go watch Max at all? Yeah. Okay. When does he play? He's on now, I think. Yeah, probably probably in a few minutes. Right. Or you can go watch the Led Zeppelin cover band. Yeah, no, no to mind that. Weird. <laughs> well, we got the... Because uh, the it's Nam. Oh, that is the. So that dude, really does answer I so went, many questions. Dude, I, wa- I, I walked up and I was like, "What are all these boners doing here?" And then I'm like, "That's right, it started today." Oh, that answers so many. Like, you didn't. I mean, you guys didn't see any of the badges that were walking around. It's no. Like, oh, I mean, oh yeah, the backyard is like it's nuts. But and the, and, the, and, and all, like people wearing their badges. That makes still. that makes sense. That like there's like crazy security here. Totally. And I like pulled up and like we're playing in the little room and they're like, "Do uh, you have your identification?" And I'm like. No, <laughs> I, I do, but it doesn't say. Yeah, I'm, there's I'm playing the little room. Yeah. There's all there's also crazy security because about two and a half months ago at a Walk of Flock Flame show, three people got stabbed out front. Oh, cool! So they're a little, little on edge for obvious reasons. Okay. So like I said, Midwest obviously know oh, okay. a lot about Lawrence. The uh, brothers and sisters, like, what was your family structure like? I have a brother. Okay, older, younger. Younger, but taller. <laughs> I appreciate the clarity on that. The younger but taller. Okay. Uh, and so, like, do you, mom and dad, like, what were they doing as you were, you were coming up, job-wise? Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for yes. a long time, and then she became a guidance counselor. Oh, okay. And then she has just retired recently. My dad's a lawyer. Oh, okay. And, uh, what sort of law? Labor law. He actually oh. he represented a lot of uh, the teachers unions and the bus drivers unions in Kansas City. Sure. And then uh, he took that big paycheck to go represent the Major League Baseball Players Association, which is a uh, wow. You know the I've the, heard of that one of the most profitable yeah uh, unions sure. in, outside of football and basketball. Wow. Uh, but now he's an arbitrator, so he's like mm-hmm. he gets paid. He's working for the New York City school. I don't know if I can even say this, because we're going for the New York City School Board. Okay. He's like, if there's a dispute between the teacher, like if a teacher gets fired, uh-huh. then he is the mediator between the school, school and, and the, the teacher. teacher. And sure. the teacher's union and the and the school district. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, my wife's a school teacher, so I, I mean, she's never experienced anything like that, but I, there's always there's always those layers, which are, yeah. they're needed yeah. from, that, from that perspective. Um, and so, you know, how... 
how would you paint the picture as far as your, you know, you being raised? Like, were you a little shit? Were you... Was I a little uh, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's right. still a little shit. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Uh, was I a little shit? And like, was, or, or did you, you know, like, you, was your relationship with your, your parents pretty cool? Like, how? No, not really. Um, my mom I was, went to Catholic school okay. the whole, my whole life. And, uh, my were, your, were your parents overly religious? My mom's Catholic. Okay. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say overly religious, but were they religious? I mean, yeah, overly yeah. is subjective. It's you true, know? it's true. Yeah. My dad's not. Okay. Uh, my, my dad was just a big drinker okay. when we, I was younger, before they split up. But my mom and I would fight about everything, school and church kind of stuff. Oh, because okay. it was sort of like I, I don't want, I don't. This isn't my thing. Right. Like even by like fifth, sixth grade, I was like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, yeah. This isn't. I don't want to read catechism. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. it's not what I'm gonna do. And she just couldn't handle it, and it was a lot of. We talk about it now, and it's like some of it's a lot of like uh, middle class keeping up appearances kind of oh, sure. stuff. Oh, right, right, right. And I, I still to this day, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. You, you, you established that reality on your own back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never really thought about it like that, but that's that happens now when I'm like with kids, you know, parents at my kids' schools, or you know, it's like. They're gonna think you're a weirdo. I'm like, fuck them. I don't care what they. Think. Right, 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 right. They're stupid. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm concerned with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's my my little inner punk. It's my little. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Just the, well, yeah, I think there's there's always that inherent voice in people's heads that get attracted to this sort of music, where it's just like, oh yeah, like I don't need to go with the sort of quote unquote conventions, whatever that may be. Yeah, I mean, it's just find your own way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And so, and when did your, you mentioned your parents aren't together, when did they separate? They split up, uh, my mom quit drinking when I was in fourth or fifth grade, and my dad kept drinking, and so they split up, and then, so it was like about fifth or sixth grade. Oh, so you were completely caught, you were very aware of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was mad initially, and then I realized that I get to have two Christmases. Oh, shit, yeah. And then I was like. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Huge. My drummer, so this Led Zeppelin thing, what it is, is they're bringing me in. All these like crazy, awesome heavy metal drummers. To oh play yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so sure. My drummer is now texting me with who's on. <laughs> over so Carmine Peace, Bill Ward from Black Sabbath. I'm like, you're like cool, dude. No, it's great. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would if I, I've been excited to do this interview for a while because I, I I wanted like I just I don't know I enjoy doing these sorts of, of course, conversations yeah, yeah. and like I haven't gotten to do one in a while so I'm like. Right. Uh, if I weren't talking to you, I would be totally watching the, the Led Zeppelin well, I, thing. You know, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate this all coming together. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and that Bill Ward is pulling you away from it. Um, and so, yeah, because I mean, my, my parents were divorced when I was, I mean, I was like three or four, so I'm just told about it. But the being aware of it, obviously, at that age, and but then seeing obvi- the obvious uh, superficial benefits of like, oh, cool. like Yeah, you get two Christmases. Right, right, right. And right. my dad's a lawyer, so he's got more money to buy me you know, sure. Better, did, better Nintendo games. Did you uh, did you find yourself having to fall on one side or the other? Because that's typical of a divorce, where it's like, oh, I'm uh, mama's boy. Like, no, my dad's it, man. I lived with my mom. Okay. And we would do weekends with my dad. My dad doesn't. My dad's not a big communicator. He doesn't talk much. Sure. And so we would just go see movies all the time. He and my brother and I. Sure. And it was to the point where it was like we had gone through every movie in the paper that wasn't like our. Right. That you, you know, could see. Yeah. And it's just like that's just what we did. We'd go right. see movies. That was your thing. We'd go out to Bannister Mall, which isn't there anymore, and right. go see movies. Go see movies. Um, and then you, uh, 
yeah, then obviously your formative years, I mean, when I, like junior high and high school and stuff like that, as you started to become introduced to like independent music and like, did you give a shit about school? Like, what sort of kid were you as you started to? Uh, I didn't give a shit about school. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't like a full blown straight D student. I was about a high C. Right, right. Like, Maybe an occasional B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're average, I think, on the yeah. standards. Thank you. I'm glad that you think I'm average. Yeah, you're welcome. It's uh, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... I, I did enough to get by. I, sure. I don't think it was anything conscious. And it wasn't until I got interested in music that it was sort of like, well, this is just pointless. Right. Like, I have no... I have no use for this. <laughs> right. This is not helping me write songs or go on tour. Yeah. Right. The... Uh, and so, as you obviously, I mean, I presume that that the band music life, on top of the turmoil and strife that you already had with your mom in regards to the religious stuff, that probably just set it off even further. Or did your mom be kind of like, ah, well... No, I mean, we'd fight. I'm trying to remember. Like, yeah. it got to a point where it ended up being more about, like, what time I was going to be home. Sure. Once I could drive. There was this really great... Uh, all, all ages club that happened in Kansas City from I guess it was like 93 to 94 it was oh, called okay. the Rumba Box and uh, that's where I got my uh, like I was already into you know I was already into punk rock before then but that's where I got my like formative you Here's know shows my, and yeah, we're, going to, we're going to shows we're going to see you know Lots, a lot of good bands and just the one year that that place was open it was like we saw Girls Against Boys and Brainiac we saw crazy weird Ger- like Casper Broadsman and <laughs> weird German stuff we saw Unsane wow yeah. uh, Beck played there right after Loser came out holy shit yeah, and yeah. it was like so we booked Beck <laughs> and then Loser hit and you're like whoops Where are we and then it's do? like lines down down the street it was crazy right that's amazing and so the uh be- the, I mean, who who is your introduction point? Because obviously you did, the, the typical story is that, you know, older brothers or siblings and stuff kind of gets you uh, It was a record store in Kansas City. I mean, okay, so if you're going to talk about, like, just music in general, the first thing I really got into was, like, post-Guns N' Roses, like, L.A. glam sure. stuff. Had my subscription to Rip Magazine. That's great. And then via... Prop, did you just want to live on the Sunset Strip? Were you just like, I don't think I... I don't know if I ever made that connection. I just kind of like... Yeah, yeah. These guys are cool. Right. You know, like... Yeah, look at their hair. My, my first concert ever was L.A. Guns, Dangerous Toys, and Tora Tora. <laughs> my dad took me. Killer lineup. Yeah. I yeah. uh, saw Motley Crue on the Dr. Feelgood tour. Like, that kind of era. Sure, stuff. sure. But from that... And I think, honestly, via... Headbangers Ball... Mm-hmm. And then also Metallica doing a Misfits cover on Garage Days. Totally. It's kind of like, well, what's this? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And then that got me into the Misfits, and then Bad Religion got thrown in there somehow. And then once I found Fugazi, it was just like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. your head explodes. Right. Uh, that was the Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it was just kind of like, everything on Discord is great. And then you right. go back and you listen to some of the earlier ones. You're like, no, it's 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 good. It's really good. Right. For sure. Yeah. So you're like, I think I'm convincing myself. Beef Eater's really right. good. <laughs> Totally. There are certain things where you're just like, yeah, no, that wasn't that. Like, it just didn't speak. Like, Lungfish never spoke to me. No. <laughs> like, there are certain bands where you're just like, I think I should like this, but I don't like this. My friends like Lungfish. I don't want to say that I don't like Lungfish. No, no, no. I mean, I'm sure if I listened to it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't hit speak me. me. No, no, it didn't Do speak to me. Do you ever listen to Shudder to Think? I never really got yeah, Shudder never, to Think. I, I can I can empathize with that. I never, yeah, it never, never resonated with me as well. Um, but yeah, so that get, turns into like, 
going to these show, and then so there's a record store in Kansas City. It's right. called Recycled Sounds, and uh, it's not there anymore. But uh, it was kind of like my little gateway, and the people that were there, the clerks, yeah, the clerks yeah. that were there, were also some of the people that owned the club. And then eventually, I started working there, and then it was just kind of this. I would try to then be that guy. And, like, How old to, were you when you started working at record store? It's funny because I started working there right when Get Up was touring. Right. And uh, and the owner, I think she just wanted to have like people in the scene. Oh yeah. yeah. Like as, you know, it's a smart move. It is. And I was yeah. like, okay, you still want me to work here? Because I'm going to be gone for the next like six months, and then I'm going to be home for like three weeks. And right, right. Because <laughs> I need a paycheck. Right. And right. she's like, no, no, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. I think the other the other clerks resented me for it. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we listened to. And that was weird too because that was when like our first record was doing really well in like independent stores, so like people are buying it from from me. you. Oh, and it was just and they don't know, you know, and it's right. just kind of like this is awkward, dude. I I experienced this. I worked at a record store, and obviously the people that you were working with would like do embarrassing shit, like either play your record, yeah. as you're, and I, you're just like. That's like yeah, stop they just, it. Just didn't mess with you, right? And then if a person asks, like, "Oh, what is this?" and you're just like, "Oh, fuck, dude, don't ask." Me. Like, I do remember. I remember though. One of my big victories was uh, the kind of like metal glam guy because they had like the indie rock girl. Of course, you got to cover all your bases. The hip hop kid, the, sure. kid, the white hip hop kid. Right, right, right. Uh, just like slinging Jurassic Five and, and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the kind of like you know, guy who would have been at this show tonight. Right. But in Kansas City, it's like kind of like the kind of metal big kiss fan but sure. like always wore t-rex shirts like very like glam oh sure and then we got into this conversation about hanoi rocks because i was a big hanoi rocks fan because yeah, yeah. of guns and roses and it was just like he's like all right you're all right yeah you know? it's like, <laughs> yeah i was like oh man i got validation that's yeah. perfect um and so the, i know about 80s glam metal <laughs> right you're like yeah i'm cool man we're, we're, we're all right the uh but did, did you always have the conception like once obviously music started to become a more prominent part of your life that you're like, yo, I gotta play in a band? Like, I have to? Uh, I don't know. I just always did. I don't know that it was a conscious right. effort. I mean, I played my sh- first show when I was 15. Right. Uh, and what was that? What was that? I mean, that, that for all intents and purposes, your first band, right? Yes, it was called Take a Joke. Take a Joke? Yeah. And I played... What were you attempting to emulate? I have no idea. I was 15, hanging right. out with 18-year-olds. Sure. And I played drums for, like, three songs and then guitar for, like, three songs. I loved how that was, like... A thing. Right! Yeah. Like, you thought that that was, like... You're like, oh, yeah, but our drummer can play this song better, so why don't you guys switch off with yeah. this song? Why? No one does that anymore. No! Because it's... Because it's kind of stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. But uh, Take a Joke, to me, sounds like you guys could have been a pop-punk band. Like, and, and when I say pop-punk, like, you know, like Sam I Am, that sort of stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Right. And, like, not, it, you know, not in, like, a you know, Blink-182 sort of thing. Right. Even though it could... The, the name could... <laughs> be labeled uh, on that it was not that well thought out right right <laughs> uh, but that was my fir- my first band and then that morphed into a band called uh, Secular Theme which was uh, we were emulating the Nation of Ulysses oh yeah so we wore suits okay, we wore yeah, yeah. suits but yeah. it was like noise rock it was like we wanted to look like Nation of Ulysses and be crazy but we were playing like Chicago like uh, shellac type stuff not crazier than that like, okay uh, what was the name of that record label it's not Thrill Jockey it's Touch and uh, Go no no okay. it's, and it was distributed Port, by Touch Porter and Go Stick. no uh, I know, I'll know it if I hear it I can't think of what it's called but it was all the like really noisy stuff uh, like AMREP it was like yeah, it but wasn't they AMREP they were from yeah, Minneapolis yeah, yeah. they were right uh, but we would play with those bands okay sure and uh, but yeah it was it was just 
That's crazy. pretty. So you were like probably what, like 16, 17 at the time? Yeah, you were doing I was in that? high school. That's kind of advanced for that sort of age. Is it? I think so. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, because I look at, I look at 16, 17 year olds, and usually they're you know either playing like obviously usually typically terrible hardcore. Or well, I mean, you can make the argument that well. That stuff. Right, it's, it's sort of. It's not. But you had it. You had an agenda. You were like, we were dressing up. We were doing this thing. We were being loud and noisy. Yeah. So that's a little more. That's yeah. That's advanced. I, w- I would define that. I don't. I don't know if I would qualify it as advanced. <laughs> or uh, maybe the ambitions were. Advanced. I think if you're like an actual like jazz player, who like if you're like John Zorn and like you choose to make noise. Right. 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 That's advanced. That if is you're, advanced. If you're just a punk kid and you decide to blow on a attitude right. saxophone instead right. of playing three minor threat chords you know like right, right, right. that's just kind of it's six and one half a dozen the other totally. it's just the same <laughs> it's the same uh, ignorance is bliss kind of thing right it's a completely different delivery mechanism yeah we just happened to be really into like noisy stuff there was uh, yeah uh, between Minneapolis and Chicago and St. Louis there was like all these like of course really yeah. noisy bands no that's definitely that's yeah I mean that's very indicative of what was happening in the Midwest before. and it was kind of like a post grunge kind yeah, of thing yeah. you know like total reaction to it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like we if you like those choruses that Nirvana and every other band did we yeah. can play none of that yeah <laughs> it'd be really loud I get that and then I went from that into discovering the uh, Somewhere between Ben Weasel and uh, God, I'm trying to think it would be a good example. <laughs> we were debating. It was it was a thing where it was like you're either a lookout punk rock band or sure. an epitaph pop punk. Band. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so a was huge like, line of sand. Yeah, yeah, and it was for some reason the only thing is I, I will say No Effects because that's a band I actually like. Right. And like Pennywise was the one that always came up, and I never really got into Pennywise. But yeah, yeah. You had to be from California to really get on the ground. I think you had to be from California to get into a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I took. Yeah, I I reference like Lagwagon, No Use for Name, a lot of that stuff. For me, it was important. But anytime I mentioned it to anybody in the East Coast or even yeah. the Midwest, they're just like, yeah, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> it for, makes sense. For me, that kind of like. Epiphat yep. sound. Yep. It's like this. Bad religion is grandfathered into the whole thing, and honestly, no effects is as well. Yeah. And then it's like it's propaganda. Yes. And <laughs> Dillinger Four. <laughs> right, right, right. But they're from the Midwest, so they right, get, they course. get an honorary pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel the same way about like hardcore, like the whole Rev One Three Fifty thing doesn't do doesn't do anything. doesn't do any, very little of it. Like right, right. even Texas, who I I do like, I think Texas reason is good. I don't I don't you get worship at their altar. And I don't really get. I don't get it. Right, right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think Norm is a sweetheart, and right. you know, like I understand their place in the of course in the lineage. You know, if Paige Hamilton invented Drop D, and then Walter took it from there, yeah, and then yeah, Texas yeah. made it poppy. Right. That's just kind of yeah, yeah. It just it just never you, you never identified with it. That's yeah, completely understandable. The um, so then as you obviously as Get Up Kids started to become more of a thing in your life. When, you know, when were you forced to make that decision of like, yo, this is something? Because I mean, you you also had kids early, earlier in your life, right? Yeah, but we were. I was already doing this full time. Right, right. So yeah, that that didn't impact the decision based off that. But our first tour was with Braid in 1997, and I specifically remember it was a Northeast tour, like yeah. Midwest Northeast tour. Right. And I specifically remember because we were going to tour over the summer, and everybody was going to go back to college because okay. everyone had started. Our drummer had. We picked him up from his last day of high school to start our first tour. Yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of like everyone everyone else had had like a year. I was the oldest. I'd, I'd been in, I went to college for one year, yeah. pretended to go to college for a second year. Sure, right, right. Jim and Rob 
went to college for one year, and then Ryan was going to go to college. We were touring that summer, and then somewhere on that tour, we were kind of like, this is fun, and we're making money. Like, on your first tour? Yeah. Which is crazy. Well, but it's I not, mean, I mean, it was, we owned the van outright, and we were staying on people's floors, and we were having $3 a day per diem, so... Well, as well, as well you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you... It, I always define success in the earliest touring stages of bands when, for one, you're not putting your own money into the gas tank, which that's that's already a victory. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And so, but yeah, but I mean, so that, but I mean, on your first tour, that you're already like, you know, covering the the quote unquote basics, so to speak. Like that, that must have been obviously like heartening, and obviously uh, made you made you guys not consider going to school anymore. <laughs> well, it was just kind of like let's ride this out and see what happens, you know? Because like school's always there. Right, right, right. Uh, but you felt that momentum kind of immediately from that perspective. I mean, uh, momentum's not the right word that we felt. I mean, I think we just thought we're like, hey, we could probably do this for a little bit, right? Right. You know, right. and then yeah. uh, things just kept doing better and better and better. Sure, sure. Every yeah, you kept you kept building on that foundation. That's when people ask me about like how that thing went. It's like it's very gradual. Oh yeah. From yeah, our yeah. perspective, it was very like. Okay, there's 200 people this time, and the next time there's 400 people. Totally, totally. Well, it's, I mean, it, it, during those times when you're obviously, you've got no ambitions beyond just the, let's do this next thing. Like, let, whether it's like, yeah. let's do this next 7-inch, or let's do this next comp song, or whatever. Like, you don't have this grand plan in regards to like, oh I man, had, I wonder where our fourth LP is going to be. There's a point where, when we were touring, where I, I did put in some like... Like, one of the reasons we signed to Doghouse in the first place is because they had European distribution. Right. And we're like, like, oh, some of the bands on Doghouse have gone to Europe. Totally. And we went to Europe for six weeks, and we each made $200. Right, right. You're like, wow. <laughs> uh, which was a victory, you know? Of course. It, it, uh, but then it was like, okay, I want to go, go to Japan. Right. I want to go to Australia. Sure. And I want to do a tour in a bus. Right. And then it was like, so by 1999, we had accomplished all that. You're like, and I was kind of like, I got all those checks. Like, I don't know what else to do now. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, might as well, might as well just wrap it up. Yep. It's called a day, kids. Hitting on that same point, I never remember, like, obviously, when you guys started to, you know, when, when Something Right Home came about and came out, and obviously that hit in ways that obviously you guys, I mean, expected to a certain extent, but not to the level that it came. I never, I personally never heard, especially from the, you know, the kids that obviously got into the first two seven inches and four minute mile, you know, saying that, calling you guys sellouts. But I'm sure that you, oh. I'm sure that you heard it from just the 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 conversations that were had around you. But I just, I never the heard it. The only time that ever came up was we did a tour, the first tour we did, it started the month before Something Right Home Back came out, which uh -huh. was September 99. And we're like, we're going to do everywhere and anywhere that'll have us in the U.S. So it was a 70-day, uh, so a 10-week long tour. Right. And we're like, okay, we're going to do the first two weeks in the van on the East Coast, and then we're going we're gonna to get a bus. Because yep. it's a long-ass tour, and we got a shitty bus with a crazy bus driver who the first thing he did when he bought, got to Lawrence to pick us up was buy a ball. Right, right. Perfect. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's start this off right. He got a ticket doing 96 in the bus. Crazy Tony. Super safe. And then he got real drunk and came to one of our shows, and he's like, this is a guy with hookers in the phone book. And it's crazy. That's amazing. It takes a certain kind of person to be a bus driver oh, anyway, but totally. it takes a, a, a super certain kind of person to be a cheap bus driver. Oh, yeah, to discount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we were still playing a couple. Like we never, I've never played at Gilman, but like we would play at like... Shea Cafe in San Diego of course, of course. and people threw quarters at us but really? I think that was like three or four people everybody right. else didn't give a shit yeah and then James just goes can't you guys throw cigarettes <laughs> perfect James yeah. response 
Yeah, because I found it. I found it interesting that that didn't obviously like get thrown upon you guys, like just except from like the, the sort of larger conversation, just because it was like, well, no, because you've heard them all along, and like each record made sense oh, as far as the progression music, was concerned. Musically, it never. I don't yeah, think yeah, it ever yeah, came yeah. up. At least, at least not to our face. I don't know if that's what people were actually saying behind our right, back. Right, but, right, right, right. Uh, the thing is that, like, anybody who is being hating, like, uh, all the hardcore guys like this, and as, as Rick to life once said, right, right. I like these emo shows because there's lots of chicks out of chicks around, of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we got the cute little boys with the glasses on the bass and drums and just like, yeah, well, well yeah. this is where the girls are at, man. Of course, <laughs> this is this is the show where both girls and guys can feel uh, like they're in a safe environment and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they will be allowed to like the band, yeah. like, both collectively. It's a, it's a shared experience. As opposed to like, hey, I'm watching Vision of Disorder. Can you hold my hoodie and yeah, yeah, wash? Yeah. Like, no. Well, and I think also too, like, just not coming from a scene, right? And just kind of being outside of that, we're just like, I don't give a fuck about your scene. It's like we're in the Kansas Embassy when we're in our van. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like the first time we played at CBGBs was with Spaz and Monster X, right, right, and uh, and Braid, and the guys in the. Monster X made the flyers and you can find them online now it's like a picture that says like get up kids some shitty band from somewhere braid more shitty emo from the midwest (laughs) totally but it was like we didn't we're going there you know like yeah we're just gonna play the show yeah 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 yeah. Um, and so then as obviously as things like I mean so when did you when did you have your first kid like was that like after something right home came about my daughter was born my wife was pregnant with my daughter when we were making On the Wire. So okay. she was born in 2002. Sure. The record came out in... I think the record... I, well, I left for that tour four weeks after she was born. Okay. And it was like the hardest, most awful thing I've ever done in my life. It, it happens. It still happens. But sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, so that, that was like the biggest gut. That was like the kind of like, hey, the, we're, we're going to have to push bus call back because I'm just sobbing uncontrollably because I don't want to leave. Right, right. So, yeah, because that, I mean, that's, to me, that's, because you, you've obviously had to adjust multiple times in regards to not only obviously what's happening in the context of the band, but then also with your life that you, because I mean, not many, yeah. ba- not many band dudes sit down and are like, I, I'm I'm married and I have this thing like when you know stereotypically like earlier in your career that, and then to have not only to have a wife but like a relationship you have to t- actually tend to well I was we were we I mean our band's career art really peaked like right around the time I got married right and we started having you know my wife got pregnant and it's kind of like well I'm I'm making good money doing yeah, this yeah, yeah, I'm not going to stop of course uh well, yeah, I'm sure that was never part of the conversation. And then it's kind of like, since then, it's kind of like, well, I'm really not fucking qualified for anything else. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I've already gone down this road so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did this. This happened just recently because, like, I don't think I've seen Anthony since I got, like, super burnt out. But, like, I, I quit playing music. And I went and worked on a farm. And, but then, like, I, my wife had me do a resume. And I've never done a resume in my life. And I was doing it, and I was like... I'm basically like a business manager, a manager, a tour manager, a merchandise product manager, product manager. Yep, yep. Uh, a bus you driver. Feel, you feel like you're manufacturing. I'm even a though, travel agent. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm a nanny. Totally. Even though you feel like you, you feel like you're manufacturing these titles, like 
there is truth to that but from the real world perspective they're gonna look at that and they're just be like but you were just in a band it doesn't mean anything yeah it's like I was a page at a library in 1998 you're like that was like that's my last, last professional job. reference yeah. and so then I even applied at the library and they're like nah. they're like uh, we do you use computers we use those now <laughs> No, I use a computer. Right. I can right. use a spreadsheet. Right, right. And so the, you know, how, I mean, obviously, how did you push yourself through all of those adjustments as far as like how you were trying to, you know, keep your home together as you were obviously having to do these other things? As far as like going on tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unhappily. Sure. Uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, I got super, super burnt and Get It Kids broke up in 2004. Of course. But we, Technically broke up. And I quit the band in 2004. We broke up in 2005. Right, right. Um, do you think that was? Do you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it. Was, I mean, it, obviously it was a combination of a lot of different things. But I'm sure the what you were feeling as far as continually leaving started to play a, big, yeah. a bigger part of that. Well, and I get I get dark. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a especially when it's kind of like when you start doing things that like people only want to hear the old stuff and I totally understand that I'm that guy too of course but it it can be taxing on you yeah, you know night after night right? yeah when it's like that's all you want to hear yeah, yeah. and it's like I'm just I'm just sick of fighting right. you know and it's just like I'm, I'm sick of trying to convince you that this is good and it's just like fine I was good until I was 19 I'm gonna go home and you know and, that, and I don't think that that's true but like when it gets when that happens a lot it, it can be well, because, wearing on you well yeah because it, that, the narrative that's created by other people that's the reality you live in even though you're like I, I don't feel this way but that's just what you're soaked yeah. in and steeped in well and you gotta find a balance with it like you gotta be right. able to like you don't wanna like disregard that part of your life I'm very proud of everything that they've yeah, yeah, done yeah. I celebrate it and but it's like uh, unless we're doing like a four minute mile show right, right. I don't want to play six four minute mile songs you know right. what I mean like, yeah, yeah. you're like hearing the deep cuts right yeah. right so and, the, and that's actually been kind of cool lately because like we went to Japan in November right. and we just did four minute mile something right home about front to back and it's just kind of like this is great yeah, this is fun no pressure it's, it's well, like plus a, you're in Japan which is a bonus but it's it's kind of like a like a high school or a college reunion we're like let's hang out yeah. this is fun as yeah. shit yeah. remember that time <laughs> yeah remember these songs these are fun to play remember this song, this this song's stupid why are you <laughs> why do we write this oh god there was one on there and I'm like this whole middle section is dumb and I was like, like that's how you wrote it and I was like well, can we just cut it out? Speaking of drummers, hey, and they're like, <coughs> can we rewrite this? Or uh, why am I playing the lead and singing, right. and Jim's not doing anything? Like, what the hell kind of sense does this make? Right, right. Oh, it was written by a 17-year-old. That's oh, why. Oh, that's why. That's why. We felt like that was what we needed to do at the time. Yes. Um, for, for you, obviously, in, in the duration of that, the time when the kid of kids were obviously, you know, reach, reaching the peak, what were some of the most, like, surreal moments that you personally were just like, this is... Like, where you were able to feel that sort of, like, out-of-body experience where it's like, this is weird that this is happening to us. Whether it's, like, uh, the business side of things or whether it was, like, these are weird, we're playing these... It was never an out-of-body experience kind of thing. It was just kind of a, like, <laughs> that's that, was, that was weird. <laughs> oh, that, that's happening right like, now. Like, uh, when we... When we opened for Weezer, right. the guys in Cheap Trick came to the show in Milwaukee. Right. Yeah, Milwaukee at the Eagles Ballroom. You played the Eagles Ballroom, right? 
Yeah. So the guys in Cheap Trick, they're like, would the guys in Weezer want to play a couple songs with the guys in Cheap Trick? And Weezer said no. And so we're like, fuck yeah, we'll totally do that. So we learned Surrender and uh, Hello, Ladies and Gentlemen. We played him with Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen. And we're like, oh my God, we're playing with Cheap Trick. And uh, one of my favorite memories is that... Uh, uh, Rick, the guitar player, was borrowing one of Brian Bell's guitars, like his Les Paul custom. Right. At the end of the song, he took it off and threw it into the crowd. And I've never seen a guitar tech dive, dive yeah. faster than no! that. Yeah. It's pretty funny. So, like, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, right? I don't know. It's just when I was like, hey, have I ever told you about that time we played with Sheep Trick? Right. You're like, that's really weird. Yeah, that time uh, yeah. we were at a bar and Billy Joe from Green Day's Bouncers had to break up a fight. That was fun. Yeah. That was, that was or fun. Or that time when we took Billy Joe guitar uh, no, shopping. And they said they would give him a, a Telecaster for like $300 cheaper if he would sign it. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He would sign his own guitar. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um... The, the thing that we were, we were talking about that I wanted to reference where it's like the um, like when I started to see you guys play so I mean it's obviously like we're only three years uh-huh. apart but I would watch you I would watch Get Up Kids and at that time because I was like you know 17 or whatever or maybe even younger than that and I'd be like like it, you're so old you're so like you, I mean thanks man it, it, I mean not like you looked old but it was just like this is uh, the, you're doing something you're doing something this is crazy and this is it's something that's so far removed from me but then now like obviously I mean this happens with everybody as you get older where it's just like oh yeah I mean, we're basically the same generation same age yeah. and like it's just funny how that shrinks and it's like oh yeah well it's interesting to me like talking to talking to Max yeah, or even yeah. talking to Ant like because you guys started touring in what 99 and so it's just like two years removed but it's the same it's the same shit yeah totally. and like with, with Max it's interesting because he kind of he's yeah he's like it was like 2000 yeah 2001 right oh wait no it's the 10 year anniversary of that first record this year so I think so even later yeah, yeah. but just kind of this interesting like things were already put in place right. by the time there was already like an infrastructure there totally yeah and that, I think that I think that's why just because it's like even though it's like I was right in the precipice of starting the touring tour with my own bands but it was still it was just like oh my god these guys are really doing it like they, they must be so much older than I am it's like oh no not really oh, no. the <laughs> essentially and I just find that funny like when you do just know how to pack a van yeah exactly <laughs> just know how to pack a van I remember my buddy Jason came to the show uh, the Shoe last night but now for forever he used to uh, he used to work at Sub Pop and he actually was trying to sign us a Sub Pop when we were oh sure sure yeah when he did that singles club and stuff like that yeah yeah and uh, he had this whole thing about how impressed he was that we had like the, we had a loft in our van and everything was like perfectly packed and it was like really like it's like none of these bands like, work this hard and I'm like it's just that's just what we did it's just like, that's what we do man of course we're gonna bring an eight ten cabinet and two Marshall half stacks in a twelve person van right why not that's total sense we have to make that happen um, the, tell me more about the, your experience obviously like you said. You became so burnt out and jaded on music in general. Because I mean, that, I mean, that well, the last tour I did actually was with with him, the Where's the Band tour, and both me and Chris. Chris Conley was just burnt. He'd been touring 
too long and you need right, 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 a break. Right. I was burnt and I'm like, this is fucking stupid and I'm not oh, yeah, gonna do this yeah. anymore. <laughs> and he just keeps going, yeah, you'll be gone like six months and you'll be back. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. no man, like, I'm no, out. I mean it this time. I mean it. Right, right, right. You said every tour we've done, which is four tours, something like that. Yeah. There's, there's always a point. <laughs> I really meant it that time and I really did do it for like eight months. Well, I, you know. And so, I mean, what what inspired the fact, like, you, you basically just wanted to, like, unplug and just be like, I'm not doing anything in relation to music. I just felt stupid. I just got, like, I was sick of driving. I was sick of, right. you know. Everything. Just the whole thing. Right. I, I wasn't sick of music. Like, I wasn't sick of writing. You know, I wanted it... I wanted to get away from it just being my job and have it get back to being something I did for fun. Of course. Where it's like, oh, okay, so I want to have, like, a job job... And then I'll play music for fun. Sure, sure. And uh, I, I think what I learned from that whole experience is that I need to find a way to to make playing music fun. Sure. And so some of it, like this tour has been kind of hard because you know it's a West Coast band tour, so it's like a long ass drive. Yeah, of course. Uh, luckily, I've started watching Breaking Bad, so that's taken up a lot. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you have the rest of this tour planned. Basically, I have the whole. I just finished season four last night, and I'm kind of like. Oh. I'm like, so that's it. How can that not just be it? Like, no, how can there be a whole other season? There is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and everybody know. says it's good, so I'm just kind of like, all right. Yeah, you're good. You're I'll fine. I have to trust you on it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's just the it's the uh, put like a fresh coat of paint on it in order to be excited about it in a way. To a certain degree, I mean that's part of the reason of like bringing out the bass player and the drummer that I play with because they're people that I, I find really positive, positive influence and like I like being able to like make a louder sound. Sometimes when you're just playing by yourself, it can just lonely. You're lonely all day, and then you're lonely on stage. And then, right. Do I have anybody to hang out with? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, and so that do you, do you feel like that? those eight months away was was worth it like did it give you that clarity that you wanted or was it oh, yeah. just okay no it was very beneficial uh, yeah I kind of broke but you know uh, was, and it was also when I kind of discovered like doing podcasts and stuff like that and I got really into that because I would just be sitting there you know picking turnips of listening course. to yeah, yeah. Mark Marin. Marin. Right, right, right. Hanging out with him. Yeah. And this is the first tour I've done where like my podcast junkiness is coming to play. Oh, where yeah. it's like we're listening we're listening to Pete Holmes a bunch. Of course. And it's just like those are like three hours long. Those so, are, that's a marathon, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, that's my shift. Right, right. I got, I got this. That's a good shift. If I can do a Pete Holmes podcast, that's a good shift. Right, right. <laughs> and the, um, Obviously, since you, you know, I mean, you've always seemed to have a supportive, a support system at home, whether it was like, you know, your, your mom obviously understands what you do now. And like, yeah. The, does, does there ever come into play like, hey Matt, are you gonna stop like, are you gonna stop touring at all anytime soon? Like, well, gonna... like I said, she's a guidance counselor, right? So like, I, I do go to her when I was kind of going through that, like, kind of advice in that area, right? Um, the big thing that we have is that my my wife's family they lived with us for a while, and now they just live around the around the block from us, and so it's a very like. Yeah. You know, like tomorrow morning when my wife has to go to Kansas City really early, grandma's coming over at 6.30 to get the kids ready for school. It's a very, you know, multi-generational 
totally, family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're a little bit older now, so that's... It's a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. That, that's exactly the same way that my, both my parents and my wife's parents live within the proximity. That's exactly what they do. We go to work, yeah. handle our shit, they come over, take yeah. care of the kids. I mean, that's what grandmas are for. Oh, dude. I, I, to, people that raise children without family near them at all, it's really hard. I mean, it's doable. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so with the uh, kind of to wrap things up the idea of I mean obviously since you enjoy podcasting and you're you're experimenting with so many different mediums in regards to like how you present yourself from like hey I'll do a fucking stage at concert like I'll, you were doing all oh, these yeah. things you know downright all these things that you're obviously putting yourself out there in ways that you probably like you know five years ago someone would have told you that you'd be doing that and you're probably like I don't think so or, or do you think you're just like you're like I'm open to new experiences I kind of feel like that's the way the industry is right now okay. like that traditional I mean everybody's everybody's learned that like you can't make as much money doing anything but touring of course and so everybody's touring and it makes it more difficult right uh, but then uh, and I don't like touring anyway right right so yeah, I'm investigating these opportunities. It's like having a web-based business, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. But web-based small business. Right? Yeah, right, right. and it's. I'm just trying to like find the things in there that I like. I did a Kickstarter one time, and that was cool. But at the same time, the fulfillment aspect of it is so much fun. Really crushed my soul. Of course. Uh, the stage it thing is is a cool concept. I'm not. It's a, it's weird to play for people. You know, people are there, but they're not there. Right, right. Uh, and then the downright thing's been really cool too, because it's just sort of, a, it's a way for me to, to make money when I'm home and totally. to connect with people. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, be challenged in some capacity as far as like, oh wow, this is a weird request of what I have to do. Uh, the only ones that are difficult in that regard, because it's like, you know, ninety percent like for wives or. Husbands or right, right, significant or, others. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's sometimes where it's like my the song is for my nephews. Their dad committed suicide six months ago, and those are the ones where I have to be like, oh, God. that is heavy, right? That's like I don't know, I don't know what to do there. Right, right, right. But it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do it. Right, right. <laughs> but you do it. Yeah. That, that's obviously when the when the challenge presents itself. It's been difficult on this tour because I this tour is the first time I've done the downright thing and the podcast since uh, since I started doing them, and it's like there's no fucking time to do this shit when you're on the road. Totally, totally. You gotta you gotta pull stuff together and be like, I I've got this because we're just getting like one room for the three of us, and it's like, hey guys, can you guys go fuck off for an hour so I can like record songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just, yeah, go, go occupy yourself. Like, why don't you somewhere? just get your own hotel room? Like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. I don't, no, I don't want to pay the more money. Right, right. That's more money. When did, uh, uh, random aside, when did you, uh, I mean, because obviously you've made it apparent that you, you don't like touring from a larger perspective. When did when did that start to come into your life? I, this, is, this is the way, a new way I've been phrasing it. I okay. don't dislike touring. No, I don't right. like being away from my family. Of course. Right. Touring itself is fine. Right, right, right. The drives are a bit rough, but. Yeah. Right, right, right. The show, the sh- performing is really fun. Seeing friends is really fun. Of course, right. Uh, well, getting I, to go places is really fun. Right. But uh, you do get this kind of thing where you're uh, in Europe. I always call it cathedral burn. Sure. Where you're just like, oh, I'm in this gorgeous city. Yeah. yeah. But I have to be here with you assholes. Right. Of course. You know, like right. I can't. I have to be in a ten block radius of whatever wherever I'm at. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of other cool stuff. 
I mean, it's not even away. that. It's right. kind of like, I want to go to Paris with my wife. Of course. Not with my band. <laughs> yeah, not, not that interested in that. But when, I mean, when, when did that, when did the enjoyment from that perspective start to fade as far as just like, oh, like this is our third time through Boise, Idaho this year? I think that just happens with any, any band. It's just a matter of, of how... Often you're out there. Well, yeah, no, just how how in your head you are about it. Sure. Like, you know, I've stopped at the same gas station between here and wherever of course, right, a thousand right. times, and it's just kind of like you can either be like, "Oh, hey, I like this place," or you can be like, "Ah, yeah, this, this place, place again." Right, right, right. I wish, I wish they actually refilled the uh, windshield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the wiper stuff. <laughs> But you know, it's it, there's still good stuff. I mean, there's it's still yeah, it's still exciting. Yeah, right, right. right. Uh, you wouldn't be sacrificing your time away from home if you obviously did feel some level of enjoyment. Yeah, that's right, true. Right. Well, I appreciate you hanging out on this loud patio with me, and <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Out. We will we will see what my editor thinks about. That. All right, there you go. That wasn't too bad, right? We got through it together, and I appreciate that. Mad props to our editor, Tom Richfield, because I'm sure this one was a bear to get through. You know, he didn't he didn't need to work as hard as he did on that particular episode, but he does, and so just, just show him some love. I try to show him so much love. Anyways, a bunch of great shows coming up. We have someone from Sea Haven. We have someone from Law Dispute. We have someone from Sleeping Giant. I'm not going to reveal who on all of those things, but we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. So visit propertyofzack.com, visit 100wordspodcast.com, and until next week, be safe, everybody. Slash for the